0: Heavenly Father, we come once more and ask that you would send your Spirit to teach us your Word so that we may be acceptable to you in all that we do. Oh Lord, we know we have your Word before us, but we need your Spirit if we are to understand it and to put into practice the things that are told us there. So Lord, we pray that you would be using your Spirit to give us great power of insight into your Word and power to be able to do what you have commanded. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we once again remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see that in this very familiar passage to us in Luke chapter 2, that the baby Jesus is born, that the Son of God has become flesh and dwelt amongst humanity. And we also see that on that day, when that that night when Jesus was born, that some shepherds had a very peculiar experience, something that wasn't ordinary for them. An angel appeared to the shepherds and declared what had happened. And we see that in verse eight and nine of the passage we just read that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And so what did the angel have to tell them? Well, he said, do not be afraid in verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He's got good news. He's got the gospel message. And what is the gospel message that gives joy? Well, it's that a saviour. Has been born. And who is this Saviour? He is Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah, the person that the Jews were hungering for to come and rescue them from all their troubles, that this Messiah has been born. Now, what should be our response? To this first Christmas, how should we respond? Well, there's many responses that people can have towards Christmas, but I think the angels set us a wonderful example of how we can respond to the birth of Christ the Lord. And what is that response? Well, we see it in verse, verse. Uh Verse 13, verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels. So we've got more angels there, and they praise God and say, Glory to God in the highest. What is the response of the angels? Well, it's to give glory, to praise God and give him glory in the highest. And this is a common thing that angels do, and we saw that in the passage we heard before from Isaiah chapter 6 where the seraphs are in heaven itself and crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. They're there glorifying God in heaven, and now they're glorifying God here on earth on that first Christmas. But what does it mean to give glory to God? What does it mean to give glory to someone? Well, generally speaking, we understand that if we're going to glorify someone, we want to give them honour, that we think honourable thoughts about someone and that we then make that person known to others. The attributes of that person that we have come to know and to honour in our minds, we then want to make that known to others in some way. And this includes Giving glory to God and God is very good at giving glory to his own, to him his own self we understand that the glory of God is shown by God again and again throughout the scriptures and throughout history therefore and God does it generally in two ways that he makes his attributes known to humanity and how is that well it's visibly God can show his glory visibly And it can be with some sort of manifestation. Uh, Because God is invisible, how do we see his glory? Well, he's got to show it in some way so that we can understand how wonderful he is. And so in the Old Testament, we can see that he uses thunderstorms at times, uh, but smoke is often a common way that the glory of God is shown. And even here in this text, we see that God shows his glory visibly. We see in verse nine, as the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone around them one of the ways that God shows his glory shows his attributes is by bright light and we understand that this does demonstrate his glory when a major thunderstorm comes or a huge billows of smoke are there or a bright blinding light is shown well the attributes of God are shown what sort of attributes of God are shown His power to begin with. The fact that he can bring in a major thunderstorm or a huge cloud or a bright blinding light demonstrates the power of God and so therefore his glory. But it can also show his holiness, how different he is, and also his justice and his, his moral integrity, his righteousness. We associate light with what is holy and righteous and true. And so when he beams this bright light, as he did there with the shepherds, it demonstrates his justice, his truth. But God also demonstrates his glory, not just visibly, but also audibly. That there's auditory displays of his glory. And we see that again and again throughout the Bible that he speaks. And as he speaks, he speaks about himself and how wonderful he is. He speaks about his attributes of love and mercy along with his justice and his holiness and his goodness and his truthfulness. And so we understand that God gives glory to himself by audible means and by visible means. Yes, he is invisible. God is spirit. We cannot see him, but he can show his glory to humanity. And Jesus is the greatest manifestation of God's glory. We understand in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. When you see Jesus, you see God. If you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father. And so when you look at Jesus... And you look at him in the Gospels, you see God's glory. You see his attributes coming through. As you look at his miracles that he does, as you look at the transfiguration of him with Elijah and Moses, as you look at him on the cross, as you look at him as he rises from the dead and ascends into heaven, you see God's glory. What attributes do you see? You see, of course, his power. You see God's power and his love for humanity shining through in Jesus Christ. And then, of course, verbally, Jesus manifests God here on earth in a way that was never done before. Imagine that every time Jesus spoke, he was speaking the very words of God. And he revealed so much about who God is. And so God was glorified by the way that Jesus spoke about God the Father. And so when we look at Jesus, we see God's glory in a way that we see nowhere else, Yes, the creation around us gives God glory. As you examine the things around you, as you look at mountains, as you look at trees, as you look at animals, as you look at the fish of the sea, you see God's glory. You see his goodness. But as you look at Jesus Christ, you see God's glory in a way that you cannot see around you. You see the attributes of God displayed wonderfully. And the angels here remind us that we don't just see God's glory in Jesus Christ by his death and his resurrection and his ascension, things that we like to make much of. They see his glory in this little babe in a manger. They come and they speak about the glory of God being shown as this baby has been born. That's what they do in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. How do we see God's glory when Jesus is just a baby? Surely this is a bit insignificant. Let's focus on his death. Let's focus on his resurrection, not his birth. Why would we come on Christmas Day? What can we see of God's glory? What can we see of God's attributes in this little baby in a manger? Well, we can see many of God's attributes. Just consider the wisdom of God and the power of God in the fact that the Son of God has taken on human flesh. Can you even begin to imagine how, how a, a little baby is formed, let alone the Son of God taking, adding to himself human flesh? Can you begin to think of how that happens? God's wisdom is far greater than our wisdom and his power in actually making it happen. Can any of us create another human ourselves in a laboratory? No, we can't. But God can create a human that is the Son of God. Yes, he doesn't create him in his divinity, but he adds this humanity to his Son. And then, of course, consider the grace and mercy and love of God in being willing to do it. Imagine you are the Son of God, and then you come and you take on creaturely flesh you lower yourself to that extreme that is what God has done for us so we see his love and his mercy and his grace being poured out being shown there in the baby that is there in the manger and so we too can glorify God as well we should be glorifying God as we look at the babe in the manger can we glorify God Yes, we can. Angels can glorify him. God can glorify himself. But we too, as humans, we should be giving glory to God. We should be honouring God. And the shepherds demonstrate that we can do it as well. The angels glorified God. And then what do we see the shepherds doing in verse 20? The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds were able to glorify God, and we too should be glorifying God. As well, How can we glorify God? Well, we can do it the way that the Lord does it himself. We can do it verbally. We can think highly of the Lord's attributes and then speak about those attributes and even sing to God like we've done this morning. We can praise him in song like the angels did so many years ago. And of course, we can give glory to God by the way that we live. We can visibly show the glory of God. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Every time we follow God's laws, we are giving God glory. When we bear fruit, we are honouring him. We're showing that this is a God worth serving Why do I live a strange life in comparison to the world? It is because I am showing God's glory and how wonderful he is. But sadly, giving God glory is not the response of lots of people, most people we could even say, to Christ's birth. Even at Christmas, even at Christmas, people aren't giving glory to God. Yes, they may celebrate Christmas, but they celebrate it by giving glory to other humans, by giving family, friends, gifts, and food, rather than giving to the Lord, giving glory to him as they should. And some are simply indifferent. They do not glorify God at all at Christmas. They go to the movies instead. A friend of mine does that every year. He goes to the movies. It's nice and quiet at the cinema, apparently at Christmas. And that's how he behaves on Christmas Day. And at worst, people belittle and attack the incarnation of Christ and certainly do not glorify him. They try to bring dishonour upon him, not honour him at all. And some will tip the hat to God at Christmas. But you wouldn't say that they really glorify him, that they're seeking to honour him. So what is your response this morning? Are you going to glorify God as you're confronted with the news of the Saviour's birth, the good news that a Saviour has come to die in our place at the cross? Are you going to glorify him? You may say, I still don't get it. How do you glorify God? I don't quite understand what it means to glorify God. Well, I think we all know what it is to glorify someone. We all know what it is to glorify someone. Just think of teenagers and their high opinion of some pop artist and then how they behave as a result of their high opinion of that music artist. What do they do? What does a teenager do? Well, they glorify the pop artist by listening to everything the singer says. They have all the music. They'll buy anything, even the old early stuff that's not too good. They'll buy that and they'll put it on repeat. they listen again and again and again. They don't really have time for anybody else. They just listen to that one pop artist And of course, they listen to everything that pop artist will say. They watch all the documentaries. They follow the person on Twitter or on Facebook and want to know what that person has to say about everything, listen to interviews, and read books written by that pop artist. Even if they're not particularly good as an author of books, they may be better at writing songs, they still want to hear everything that is said by that person, and they're glorifying that person as they do that and they glorify the person by trying to be in the presence of that celebrity. They attend concerts, they buy backstage passes in the hope that they might get to meet the celebrity. And they hang around people that the celebrity might be near, or even apparently people do this, I didn't realize, but they hang around the doors that go into the concert areas just so that if the, the pop artist comes out, they may have a glimpse and they may get some sort of contact with the pop artist that they love and they want to glorify. And of course, they glorify their hero by speaking. They write fan mail. or well, these days, I guess you tweet towards that person. You, you, you know, send it towards that person and on Twitter in some way. Or if they ever get contact with their hero, what do they do? They gush in the presence. Oh, I love you. You're so wonderful. I, I listen to all your songs And then they don't just speak to the person, if they get a chance, they speak to others. They say, have you listened to this person? They're so wonderful, their insight into human life that comes out in their lyrics, it's it's, it's, it's something that's incredible, you should be listening to. And so they speak about the person that they love and that's a glorifying of their hero. And of course, we see with some teenagers that they're pretty much, it's a little bit scary, that they're willing to do anything for this music artist. They have such faith that this person is worth listening to and worth doing whatever they say. And so their life changes and they behave differently based on what their celebrity says. Yes, we all know what it means to glorify someone. We know what it means to glorify someone. So how can a teenager give more glory to another human than most people do for their creator. How can that be? That a teenager can give more glory to another human being than people do for their creator? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because people don't know their creator. They don't know him. And so therefore they do not want to glorify him. They do not want to honor him. Think of teenagers in Australia, and they have maybe let's say an Australian music artist. And the teenagers here go nuts for that Australian music artist. But then there's teenagers on the other side of the world who wouldn't dream of glorifying that person. Now, why is that? Well, there's many reasons, but probably the biggest reason is because they don't know anything about this music artist. And so, of course, they aren't glorifying the music artist as may be done by thousands of teenagers in Australia. And it's the same with us and God. It's a lack of knowledge that causes us not to glorify God. Why do the angels glorify God here in this passage? Because they know God. And so, of course, they can't help but give glory to God. Whereas sinful humans, we live in ignorance of God. We live in ignorance of who he is, his wonderful attributes. We live in ignorance of them. And even when they hear of them, when humans hear of how God is a God of love and justice and mercy and goodness and truth and that is infinite, eternal and unchangeable. They resist such knowledge. They don't want to know. I remember a conversation I had with a family member one Christmas Eve as we we're waiting for one of those 11 o'clock services, which you go to when you're a young adult, I think, and can actually stay up because I can't dream of. Well, I imagine if we wanted to have an 11 o'clock service here at Dremoyne Baptist, um, you might have to get one of the other elders to do it. Uh, I don't stay up that late. Uh, uh, So I was staying up late. I'm getting sidetracked there. I was staying up late for one of those services and I was speaking to another family member and I was speaking about the Lord Jesus and why he came. And this family member said, look, Joel, I just don't want to think about it. I just don't want to think about it. There's a resistance that's there to knowledge of God, and therefore people don't glorify Him because they don't know Him and they don't want to know Him. Why do we resist knowledge? Well, as sinful humans, we'd much rather glorify anything other than God. We'd rather glorify ourselves or another human being, like the teenagers love to do. Or uh, we, I've apparently with sport. I'm not much of a sport person. Well, I'm not a sport person at all. But in Australia, people would love to glorify their sporting heroes, and we'd much rather do that than glorify. himself or they glorify a house or a car or even a piece of clay that is shaped in an idol of some form rather than glorify the God who is love and peace and justice and mercy and goodness and truth and so if we are to glorify God if you're not glorifying God the reason is you need to find out about God you need to find out who he is And if you really consider God, if you really consider who he is, you won't be able to help glorifying him. You will do what teenagers do for their favourite musicians. You'll glorify God by listening to his spirit all the time as revealed in the scriptures. You'll put the Bible on repeat, like a teenager puts an album of their favourite music artist on repeat. They'll listen to other music, but they come back to that one again and again and again and again. And that's what we do if we understand who God is and we want to glorify him. We will just keep coming back to the Bible. I read many books, but there's one book that I read every day. I listen to again and again and again and it's because I know something of God and I want to glorify him by listening to him. Like the teenager, we'll want to be in God's presence, we'll want to be where he's especially present, we'll want to be at church, we'll desire to be with him, we'll go where God's fans are, just like the teenager goes where the fans of their celebrity are. We'll glorify God by praising him in prayer and song. Think of that teenager just gushing forth glory to their hero, that's what we'll be if we understand who God is. We will gush to him in prayer and song. And of course, we'll tell others about how fantastic our God is, and we will trust him completely and be willing to do anything for him, even die for him, because we know who he is. Now, how do I know that if you know something of God, you will glorify him? Well, the Bible tells you so. History tells you so. As people find out about God, they can't help but glorify him. And I tell you so. I can testify that if you know God even just a little bit, and I, I only know a small amount about God in comparison to how he, the fact that God is infinite. I only know a small amount, but that has led me to glorify him, and I know it will happen to you too. If you will simply consider who God is, consider his wisdom, consider his power his holiness, his justice, his goodness, and his truth. Humble yourself and ask God to reveal himself to you and overcome your ignorance. And start by just considering his son. Consider what about Jesus? Well, consider the wisdom, the power, the holiness, the justice, the goodness and truth in sending his son as a babe in a manger, but also in the way that his son grew up and lived his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And then I encourage you, respond by turning from your sin and trusting in Christ. If you want to really give God glory, start trusting in him. Faith in him gives him glory, just like a teenager trusting in their hero gives that hero glory. And children, start now. Start while you're young, learning about God, so that you spend a life glorifying him. Now, you may say this morning, oh, I already do glorify God. That's great. But won't you go even further? How far should we go in glorifying God? Well, what did the angels say in verse 14? Glory to God in the highest. In the highest. What did they mean by in the highest? Well, there's different understandings of what they meant there. They may mean the highest heavens. We understand that there's basically three heavens. The word heaven is used in different ways. Firstly, you've got the heaven, you've got the sky just above you. Then you've got the outer heaven, which is where the stars and the moon and the sun are. And then you've got heaven itself, where God is, especially. And so they may be saying, praise God in the highest heaven. It may be that he's saying in the highest, amongst the highest beings, that angels who are greater than man." should praise God, or amongst the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no greater being than God himself. And so praise him, glorify him in the highest. Or maybe it's saying glorify him in the highest of attributes. Consider the great attributes of God, of his love and his justice and his goodness. Or maybe it's in the highest ways, which I think is a better application for us this morning as we come to consider how we should give God glory in the highest ways, with increasing greater and greater acts of obedience towards God, maybe in the highest quantity. It's interesting how there's one angel there with the glory of the Lord, and then there's many. Shouldn't we want many, 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 many people giving glory to God? So in the highest means with the highest quantities, the highest number of voices, with much praise, much obedience from us, that we don't just glorify God once, but we glorify him again and again and again. Maybe it means in the highest emotions, the emotion of joy. See, glorifying God is not a tiresome, boring task. Do you think the angels were bored out of their brains as they gave glory to God there so many years ago? Do you think the shepherds were bored as they praised God and gave him glory? No, they were joyful as they had understood something about God and therefore gave him honour. So how can we be motivated to give glory to God in the highest, the highest of ways, the highest quantity of glory, and the highest emotions? Well, we need to find out more and more. See, we still see God darkly. Even if you've had some glimpse of who God is, we still don't see him fully. So we should hunger to see God more and more, and therefore we will glorify him highly as we should So won't you read the Bible and learn more about your God? Read the Bible, hear the Bible explained, have conversations with others about God so that you're learning more and more. The teenager who's obsessed with their pop idol, and it is an idol in many senses for them, that they're worshipping that person, they find out more and more and they become obsessed as they find out more and more. Their glory goes to higher and higher levels. That's how we should be. We should want to find out more and more about God. And therefore, it will be natural for us to want to be where he is more and more, to be amongst his fans, to be amongst his people. We'll have even greater levels of fan speech as we find out more and more about him in prayer and singing. We'll have greater and more, uh, more and more conversations about him to others will be telling them. And of course, we'll trust him more and more implicitly and be willing to do what he says as we find out more and more about him. And you know what will happen if you do that? If you give God more and more glory? Well, you'll be filled with higher and higher levels of joy. Remember, glorifying God is not a tiresome, boring task. The angels tell us that. The shepherds tell us that from so many years ago. The pleasure of glorifying God is greater than any pleasure a teenager can ever have about some other human being. Why is that? Well, we give glory to an infinitely greater being than they give to another human. All celebrities have their weaknesses. They're sinful humans just like the rest of us, and they make mistakes and they do dumb things. Jill and I were watching an interview with an actress that we particularly liked the other night, and she was having to give rapid responses to questions. And the first response out of her mouth was something that I just couldn't believe she said, let alone while it was being recorded. And I just thought, there goes my estimation of that actress, to such a level. I mean, you think in the movies that they're very clever people, but their lines are all scripted in the movies when they're actually in real life. They've got to come up with things out of their own head. And you find out what really makes them tick. And so they disappoint us. And so the joy that you have about that person goes down. Whereas God never disappoints. The more you learn about him, the more wonderful you see he actually is. You saw him darkly before, now you see him in greater and greater depths. And so, of course, the pleasure increases as you understand him more as your knowledge increases. And yes, there's a sorrow in glorifying God. Sometimes the things that we do when we glorify God are very painful. And look at Jesus on the cross. It wasn't a pleasant experience for him to go through, but he was glorifying God. And I'm sure there was a joy that he had deep down under all that pain, that he was serving the Father and giving the Father honour And that the Father was pleased with him, even as he was going through such pain. And that's the case for us too. Yes, there's a pain associated with glorifying God in many respects. But there's a deep underlying joy because we know how wonderful our God is. So let's not allow teenagers with their pop music put us to shame in the way that they glorify another human being. May we at Des Moines Baptist be people who glorify our Creator more than any teenager glorifies a celebrity. And may we have even greater joy than any teenager has about another human being. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise and glorify you as the God who has revealed yourself in Christ Jesus, and you've revealed that you are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in your being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Oh Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for not glorifying you as we should. And we ask for your help, that we would know you better. And so therefore we cannot help but glorify you in the highest. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.